as the body of believers assembled here at Harvest Church today. I want to tell you by your response to worship, it ought to be able to preach today. I'm here to tell you. Because if you could see you from where I've seen you this morning, you came with a heart today set on worshiping God. Give yourselves a hand of praise. Come on. Just appreciate yourself in the presence of the Lord today. Because in order to receive a blessing, you have to position yourself. In other words, you have to get ready to receive a blessing. How many of us know that on the, the day of Pentecost, the Bible said in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all assembled in one place and they were of the same mind and one accord. Is that what the word of God said, Brother Anthony? They had all things in common. They were gathered in one place and their focus was on the promise of God. Our minds have been so many places in the last several months. I want to I, I I backtrack just a moment. Can I rewind for a second? Talk a little bit about last week's message. About how that twelve to 60,000 thoughts flood our minds in a single day. A single day. Anybody remember the amazing percentage of those thoughts that were negative? 80% of the thoughts that are generated in our minds and thought processes in a day are negative thoughts. 95% of those thoughts resurfaced from the day before. I, I, I want to give my, tec I give my text uh, today, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. But I want to give a topic even before I get there. I want you to look at your neighbor that's within, uh, you know, social distance from you. And I want you to challenge him. I want you to issue this statement. Get your mind right. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, get your mind right. Get your mind right. Because we all know that the mind controls all the functions of the body. Right? Come on, it's the seat of our intellect. It's the house of all knowledge and wisdom, our minds. Get your mind right. You say, Pastor, I want you to remember this statement now because we're going to talk about it again at the end of this service. How do I get my mind right? By shifting your focus. By shifting your focus. Get it off those 80% of negative thoughts you thought about and the 95% that resurfaced from the day before and get your mind refocused upon the Lord. Can we stand in the presence of God? Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3 is where we arrive at our text on today. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3. The word of God so states, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Anybody's mind running to and fro back and forward on today? The only way we can have peace is to shift our focus and to fix our mind solely upon Him. Pastor, I'm not sure I understand. Well, the phrase perfect peace, it implies a state of mind that is satisfied. 
It implies a state of mind that has relationships which are characterized by harmony. The Hebrew word for the word stayed literally means I'm leaning on. When I can't even stand on my own, I'm leaning on the Lord. Anybody get that? It, it, it says that I, I have my mind stayed on you. God, when the troubles of life, the cares and affairs of life have bogged me down that I can't even stand. What did Paul, what did Paul say when he said to the Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And Paul then said, having done all you can to stand, he says, just stand. Brother Jason, what about the time I can't stand? Then just lean. Whoa, glory to God. Somebody knows what I'm talking about today. There's been an episode in your life when you didn't have the strength. You couldn't crawl. You couldn't walk. You couldn't run. You couldn't muster the strength to mount up on the wings of an eagle. So you just leaned on the Lord. Can I get an amen, somebody? So you just leaned on the Lord. Anybody in here ever leaned on the Lord? Oh, my. So God, I want you to anoint your word as it goes out today to minister to this body of believers. It's a continuation of last week's service. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. I pray the Holy Ghost of God anoints it in such a way that it produces, that it produces the desired result that God has intended for it today. I'm preaching to me too, y'all. I'm preaching to me. I can't deliver mail nowhere unless I stop by my house first. So I got to get my mind right. The band's got to get their mind right. The worship team got to get their mind right. Amen. The congregation at Harvest Church, we got to get our mind right to embrace the destiny that God has birthed and planned for us as a corporate body of believers. Yeah. So God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You can be seated in the Lord's presence if you're able, if you feel the need to stand and worship. I don't have one problem with that. I just wonder, are we courageous enough to share what's on our mind right now? Are we? Are we courageous enough to share what's on our mind? Anybody hot? Anybody got warm already? That's what worship would do to you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, man, when I think about all he's done, what a God. Are we, are we today courageous enough to share what's on our mind right now? If I called on any given person, could you expel all fear and stand and declare what it is that has clouded your mind? You see, when we can be transparent, that's when we can find a remedy. Because the moment we can't be openly clear in the presence of God, we're just doing everything we can to avoid the issue. It's better preaching than you're responding to. But it doesn't minimize the truthfulness of what I've stated. Fear of what, Pastor? Fear of the coronavirus. How about that? It moves from the fear of the coronavirus to the fear of the vaccine and to fear its side effects. Right now, one of our biggest worries is connected to our job. It's connected to our finances. It's connected to our circle of friends. This is going to get real close. How about right now one of our biggest worries is connected to our family. 
How about that, saints? Would I be moving in anybody's living room if, if, if I said that was happening to us, the body of believers at Harvest Church today? Would anybody be truthful enough and say, I've been attacked from every angle, but when I couldn't stand, I just leaned. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to encourage you as the body of believers today to stop worrying. Stop worrying about what can go wrong and get excited about what can go right. How about that, saints of God? Stop worrying about the possibilities of everything that could go wrong and shift your focus onto what could go right. I've listened to too many people say, oh my, I got a doctor's appointment and I, I don't want to hear and I don't, you're already, you're already expecting to hear something bad. A good friend of mine, we prayed for him. About two weeks ago, went to the doctor, had an issue with his heart, had an issue with a tumor that was growing in size, that was affecting many of his vital organs. And he called me, he called me uh, Monday when I was getting off work and he said, well, I got some good and some bad news. I said, okay, I'm listening. He said, Mr. Terry, they can't find nothing wrong with my heart. What they said they saw, it ain't there. He's not even a confessing Christian, doesn't even know Jesus, but he knows the power of prayer changes things. He said, Pastor, they told me that this, that this mass that I have that's affecting so many other organs that it has grown in size from about a nickel to about a hard dollar. But they told me they believe that with a monthly injection, they can shrink it. I said, if that's not evidence of the goodness of God, on your life then I don't know what is oh you missed a good place to shout hallelujah so stop worrying stop worrying about uh, those things that can possibly go wrong and just get excited about what can go right because if we get our minds right everything else follows we just celebrated the beginning of a new year one of the greatest new year's resolutions of all times as I'm going to get in shape isn't that right? I'm going to hit that gym and I'm going to get in shape. I'm motivated. I'm driven. Man, I got to do this thing. I got to get my mind right. Anybody ever heard of Todd Durkin? Todd Durkin is an internationally recognized strength, speed, and conditioning coach, a personal trainer, a motivational speaker, an author, and a founder of Fitness Quest Gym. Many professional, high-level athletes have sought the services of this guy to get their bodies suited for the task at hand. Drew Brees, quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, is one of those persons who bought into Tony's fitness doctrine. So if we get our minds right, everything else will follow. And man, does it take discipline. Do you know you even have to train your mind to think right? Because of all the negativity that's flooding us, we have to position our minds to think right. Michel de Montaigne was a French philosopher. Listen to what he says, and I quote, 
My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. You see how we can talk about all those negative things that take place? Many of them we think about that never come to pass. This guy was a 15th century philosopher during the Renaissance that said, oh, most of those things never happened. And I read an article recently in the Huff Post, and it said 85% of what we worried about are objects that never happened. 97% of what we worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing us with exaggerations and misperceptions. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. A lot of that's caused because we are just prone to be over thinkers. You ever saw anybody that just overanalyzed everything? Always going to take the side of the negative. That's an overthinker. I used to tell my mother-in-law, God rest her heart, I said, you watch too much television. Knows everything. Listens to too many specialists. We exhaust way too much time into thinking about or analyzing something in a way that is more harmful than it is helpful. I can't help how it turned out for the hundreds of thousands of others. It doesn't mean it has to turn out that way for me. It doesn't mean it has to turn out that way for you. You are not a statistic, saint of God. You are a child of the one true king. You do not have to be labeled. You do not have to be one of those that has been included in those who have went down in the trenches who lost out eternally with God because they became a statistic. Somebody missed a place to give him praise. Hallelujah. Our minds are always on the go. Tell me we're not. Oftentimes we even have to wind down just to go to sleep. Because our minds are on the go, working double time. Am I right? I'm one of those people, I can't sleep soon as I hit the pillow. I'm reliving the course of my day. Did I do this? Did I do that? Did I jot all the I's? And did I cross all the T's? And uh, we shipped these loads to different places around the world. Did we follow every specification to the detail? I got to know that it's right because it costs thousands of dollars if we get it wrong. So our minds are constantly on the go. So much the more that even thoughts overlap one another. Is it hard to just have one single thought? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to just have one single thought. Because, Brother Greg, thoughts, can they tend to overlap each other in the course of time. I'll tell you what this does. It leads to a lifestyle of worry, a lifestyle of anxiety that demands a change. Praise the Lord. It demands a change. Some of you may sit here today in the presence of God and, and, and this great company of people and you say, well, pastor, I want you to tell me point blank, is worrying a sin? Is worrying a sin yes and no? Yes and no. Interesting thing about worry is that it can happen in scales. It can be something that we think just a little while about and really are not affected. 
And it can be something that we overthink about or overanalyze way too much. And it consumes our thought process. It can't, our minds can't be on God or anything else that it should be. So yes, then worry can become a sin. Church, it can become a sin. Proverbs 12 and 25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. What's the writer saying to us, Brother Mike? He's saying that worry weighs us down. Worry burdens us and even renders us as paralyzed. When we allow worry to overtake our thought process. But I love what the psalmist said in Psalms 94 and 19 in the multitude of my anxieties within me. Your comforts delight my soul. So the very peace of God then brings hope, filled encouragement to those who are consumed by the cares of life and our hearts are made joyful again when we rest. Hallelujah. All our cares on the Lord. Satan himself capitalizes on our inclination to overthink. Does he not? He capitalizes on it. Worry changes nothing. Didn't Solomon say that? Didn't Solomon say worry is vanity? So then what's, what's worry going to produce? Not one good thing. Not one good thing. That's why it's important today, Pastor Steve, that we get our minds right. Because, Brother Jody, negative thinking, worry, anxiety, depression lead us down a bad road. They lead us down a bad road. We don't need that clouding our lives. Paul, speaking to the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Why did Paul write this? Paul wrote this to the Corinthian believers because he was concerned for their faithfulness as confessing Christians. He writes knowing that false teachers in that day and age would corrupt the minds of believers causing their judgments to be misled. My friend, when this happens uh, within the gospel, we discover one very important truth. What is that? That salvation is found only in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what the false teachers, it doesn't matter what the false doctors are promoting or projecting we need to know and be convinced absolutely convicted of this one thing there's not another who has lived before there's not another who lived during and there's not another who will live after that can afford us salvation other than Jesus Christ the son of God hallelujah it's not even a contentious subject. It's not even a debatable argument. What are you trying to tell me, Brother Terry? Because the Bible tells us that in the book of Acts, in chapter number 3, that Peter and John, these boys had been filled with the Holy Ghost now, John. They were on fire for God. And they came walking up to the temple, Brother Timmy, on one day. And there was a beggar there, lying there. And, and he was probably shaking some kind of purse that would have contained change. And, and they looked down on him. He looked up 
at them and he said can you spare a little something for an old beggar like me but being filled with the Holy Ghost and convicted of the reality that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ Peter looked on him and said silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give unto thee and in the name of Jesus rise up and walk the Bible said he took him by his hand and immediately he got up and walked how many of you know the devil don't like it when you're blessed like that can I get a wave offering somebody I said the devil don't like it when you're blessed like that what happens oh it draws the ire and attention of some pretty important people in that day and before you know it Peter amen and James amen and that beggar and John all these boys they're found in the presence of the Sanhedrin and they're put on trial and they told him said look if these boys are of God there won't be anything we can do that would stop them but let's just beat them and let them go Peter said I'll tell you what you do what you got to do but I can't help but testify of the things I've seen and the things I've heard and standing right there in their presence Peter makes this acknowledgement in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 and the world amen needs to hear this today nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved that's the simplicity of the gospel Get your mind right. Oh, there are many ways to God. That is not true. Is Christianity the only way to heaven? Some have asked. What did the word of God say? This right here rules out all other opinions. I want to tell you that this is not something that we're going to discuss in a conference meeting. This is not something as a fellowship of believers that we're going to discuss if it belongs in our tenets of faith. You know why, John? Because the Bible, the word of the living God, has already settled this. You say, Pastor, how can I be so sure? How can I, how can I be so sure? Peter and John, the beggar, they were on trial before the Sanhedrin. And people, listen, people react negative, negatively to this reality. When you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, people, oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that now. I don't know. I, I heard a, a pretty popular talk show host say there were many, many ways to God. Now, preacher, you know the internet don't lie. You can believe everything the internet says. Am I preaching? I got to hurry and get us out of here. But you know why I know the word of God, Brother Ocean, that settles this? Because Jesus said it himself. Well, where did he say it, preacher? I'm dying to tell you. In the gospel according to St. John, chapter number 14 and verse number 6, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to my Father except by me. I want to refute the claims of the talk show host. I want to refute the claims of the internet. I want to refute the claims, oh, glory to the Lamb of God, for any other person who has stood, oh, glory, hallelujah, amen, with the audacity to say, there are more than one way to God. Jesus said, I'm the only one. No way will you gain access to my Father except you come through me. Get your mind right. Jesus was not just a man. 
Jesus was not just some good prophet. You better hear me today. Somebody said, oh, he, he, was, the, he was the archangel Gabriel. Uh, come in another form. I got some good news from you. That's a lie that originated with the OG, the original liar, Satan himself. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Hallelujah. He's the only begotten son of God. Sometime through when I have faith, I'd hear my grandfather say, I can see him on the banks of the Jordan River. John baptizing when Jesus walks across. Said, John, I must needs be baptized of you. Are you listening to me, saints of God? And the Bible said that John immersed him into that water in the muddy Jordan. And when Jesus came up, the Bible declared, I'm paraphrasing you, hold on here. I'm paraphrasing. The Bible said, amen, there appeared in the appearance of a dove on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there was a voice heard out of heaven, and here's what it said. This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Somebody tried to explain that to me. That it was Jesus sending out his identity. I said, oh, oh, he's got one up on Jeff Dunham now. He's a ventriloquist. I got good news for you. Amen. Jesus is not a ventriloquist. Jesus isn't using magic. He isn't using any kind of those arts to deceive or corrupt your mind. But Jesus is the matchless son of God. Amen. Mary's baby. The bright and the morning star. The Sweet rose of Sharon, the lily in the valley. Come on, somebody. Isaiah said he's wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, and the everlasting father. That's who he is. Salvation found in no other than the name of Jesus. Get your mind right. Stop overanalyzing, overthinking things. React to the simplicity of the gospel. Didn't Paul tell the writers of the New Testament that God takes the foolish things of the world and confounds or confuses the wise? Somebody said, Pastor, are you meaning to tell me that you believe through an immaculate conception that Mary could have a baby with the Holy Ghost? He would be born into the world. His name would be called Jesus, that he would save his people from his sin. I said, I sure can. I sure can believe that. Well, what element am I missing that you have tapped into? It's the element of faith. Come on, somebody. For the Bible said, He that cometh unto God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Somebody said, Aren't you blessed? I said, I am because Jesus said, Blessed are you because you have seen. But even my blessed are you who have not seen yet believe. Man, I got to quit. Hallelujah. Get your mind right. Glory to God. I want to tell you that it's a battle. It's a battle. Anybody know what a battle is? It's a sustained fight between organized forces. The devil ain't coming with some rough shot army. The devil ain't coming with some band of misfits. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's an organized deal. And he's coming with all the forces of hell. But I got some good news for you. Heaven's on your side. Yeah, yeah. Woo! 
heaven's on your side. God is fighting for you. Can I get an amen? There was a time that they would bring the Ark of the Covenant, Brother Jason, into battle. And since it was known for the perpetual presence of God that hovered over it, it would strike fear in the hearts of the enemies. But guess what happened to the people of God? They moved so far, a sister, Pat from the Lord. They moved so far from God that when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant, amen, the presence of God wasn't there anymore. That's why, 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 want to tell you this because God can't be contained in a box amen the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof you can't put him in a box you can't tell him when to move you can't dictate unto God who to bless and not to bless get your mind right brother Larry Lowry said he ain't running for office and he ain't trying to be God he already is Anybody believe it's a battle of the mind? It's a battle of the mind. A young lady by the name of Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is a neuroscientist. Some of you are looking at me now like, what? Who? What is that? A neuroscientist is a person whose advanced field of study involves neuroscience that revolves around the study of the nervous system. This woman has invested over 30 years of study to produce some wonderful findings. Well, what does she produce? She said toxic thoughts such as stress, worry, fear, anger, and unforgiveness cause brain damage. It's a sad shame some of us walking around calling ourselves children of God or inflicting injury on our own self. Preacher, you don't believe depression is a real thing? I do. But it's not from God. Preacher, you, you, you don't believe people can have anxiety attacks? I do. But they ain't from God. Brother Arbus, I'm going to get somebody upset with me now. But this is the truth. This is the truth. These studies have proven it. Negative thinking. Negative thinking. It releases toxins. It releases chemicals in our bodies. Hello, somebody. I know what I'm talking about today. It releases those chemicals into our brains that cause chaos and cause damage. Can I tell you one more time? Negative thinking is destructive. It's destructive. Whenever we guard our minds and our thoughts, and we keep an attitude of faith. Come on, Pastor. Amen. And we, we keep a praise and a thanksgiving on our lips. Here's what we receive. We receive deliverance. We receive healing. We receive victory when we get our minds right. Worry is the opposite of peace. Just like fear is the opposite of faith. Hallelujah. So there's nothing good that's going to be produced out of worry. The Greek word for anxious means to have a mind that's divided between legitimate and destructive thoughts. And last week we spoke about negative thinking. So I know that it's still fresh 
in a number of our minds. So we discover through this research, through Dr. Caroline Leaf, we discover that the source of stress and emotional health challenges that have arisen out of this have increased the issues such as anxiety, depression, and loneliness. Dylan, can you pull up for me Philippians chapter number 4 and verses 6 through 8? Can you, can, you, can you pull that up so that I can read it? This is Paul writing to the believers at the church of Philippi. Anybody know the Philippians were some very generous people? They supported Paul in the work of the ministry, and he commended them for it. One of the most famous verses in the Bible that we're familiar with is Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But listen what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 4 and 6. Be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Hmm? It says in verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasseth all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then finally, anybody want to know the remedy? You see it? Anybody want to know the remedy for negative thinking? Anybody want to know how to shift your focus? Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. When the devil has brought everything in the book, Paul said, think on these things. He can't win. He's just a scarecrow, y'all. He don't have the keys to his own house. Hello? He's trying to invoke fear. And I want you to know that right thinking will win the battle of worry. It'll win the battle of worry. So, Pastor, how do I shift my focus? Read the Bible daily. Study on those things that focus on the promises of God and those things that are helpful for us as the body of believers. Pastor, you mean to tell me there's never been any time in your life, not one episode in life where you have been somewhat afraid? Listen what David said in the word of God, Psalm 56 and 3. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid. I will trust. It doesn't matter how much the enemy pursues us. It doesn't matter how much the enemy attempts to invoke fear. Nothing is able to rob us of our future beyond this present moment in God. Nothing. If we have our minds right. Oh, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Dylan, one more passage. That's kind of lengthy. Romans chapter number 8, verses 38, 39. Can you bring that up for us? Romans 8, 38, 39. Now Paul starts this discourse in verse number 28, John, of this chapter. And what does verse 28 of Romans say? 
He says, we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So he starts this discourse with, I know. I know. But he tells us in verse number 38, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, shall be able, glory to God, somebody ought to shout hallelujah, thank you Jesus. He says not even height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you know that knowing and being persuaded are two different things? That's two different things. Paul starts by saying we know. We have knowledge of. Okay? Paul says, I want to tell you how I can write like this because I've experienced it. Oh, my God. You better stand with me all over this house. Hallelujah. Paul says, I can write about this because by experience, I know that I know that I know. Praise the Lord. He said, I've been in perils on land. I've been in perils on the sea. I've been shipwrecked, I've been stoned and left for dead, but I know that all things work together for the good of them who love God, to those who were called according to his purpose. But he says in verse 38, I am persuaded. Pastor, what does that, what, what does that mean? It means I have become and I remain convinced of the truths of God's word. I might have had some challenges at first. But through time, I've become and now remain convinced of its truth. Paul said that it's with confidence that we declare these things. Pastor, what do you know? I know that I see with my eyes. I know that I smell with my nose. Are you getting this, saints of God? You know something else I know? I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I know that a circle and a square is two different things. Y'all get this? There are too many of us walking around now. Our minds aren't right. We're trying to put squares in round holes. Oh, my. Pastor, what else do you know? Well, I know this. I know fire and water are two different substances. You get this, Harvest Church? What else do you know, Pastor? I know that truth and falsehood express completely different ideas. That's what I know. I know the difference between the truth and a lie. So when the enemy comes at me, Brother Oceanus, I know whether he's speaking the truth of God's word or if he has manipulated it into a lie. I know that. And it behooves us as the people of God to have this clarity when understanding the word of the Lord. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. Paul writing to a young cohort in the ministry possibly pastoring the world's first mega church between 20 and 30,000 people in the city of Ephesus. And what does Paul say to young Timothy? 2 Timothy 1 and 7. 
He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. What does this mean? What does this mean? It means we got two choices, Brother Jonathan. Two. We can walk by faith or we can be controlled by fear. Is that a fair assessment? We can walk by faith, Sister Kim, or we can be controlled by fear. Did Pastor say earlier, depression is real, but it's not of God? That's what you call getting your mind right. Anybody hear me at Harvest Church today? That's a testimony of a right mind. Come on, somebody. Thank the Holy Ghost of God for letting you be here today so that we could use you, glory to God, as a illustration to the people of God of the great things that the Lord could do. You see, fear enters our hearts when we focus on a situation rather than the sovereignty of God. Pastor has said this more times than once. Stop bellyaching to God about your problems. You need to look at your problems and say, Have you heard about my God? Yeah. Stop grumbling and complaining and whining and bickering to God and turn around, Brother Anthony, on your own two feet and tell the devil what he sent you will not receive, that you're going to reject it. Return to sender. Come on, somebody. Amen. Get back to where you came from. I'm not having that. It will not be received here. Say, preacher, that sounds so easy. You make it sound so easy. Listen, let me tell you something. You're not looking at a person who had never been through anything in life himself. I've been through my own fair share of troubles and trials. But by the grace of God, I'm still here. Brother Robbie, when the devil tried to take me out, all God did was prop me up. All God did was promote me. All God did was give me a greater anointing. And now I can stand and I can tell other people where I've been and what God has brought me through without fear, without being uh, rejected. Brother Buller, here's one thing I learned. If you accept it in the Lord, you can't be rejected by nobody. You understand that? And if we're accepted in Him, nobody can say we're not good enough. Nobody can say that we, we don't meet the criteria. Nobody can say we don't have the qualifications. But Sister Abby, when we've been anointed by God, God is saying, do you know what favor is? Can somebody tell me what favor is? Brother Anthony, favor is divine approval. And when you've been divinely approved by God, it don't matter if they drag your name through every mud hole in this county. You can still stand in the faith of God and say, Lord, I know you got my back. I know you're going before me. You're opening doors that I never imagined. You're taking me places I never dreamed of. You're going to let me witness to people that I never thought I'd get a chance to. That's just how good God is. See, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. There's a Greek word called sophronismus. It's a Greek word and it means the soundness of mind yeah 
It means self-control. And the enemy is trying to attack you in a state of both subconsciousness and consciousness. Your every thought running a thousand miles an hour. Even in your sleep, you can't find rest because the enemy is trying to attack you even in your sleep. But let me tell you something. Don't you minimize the sovereignty of God because he's all-powerful. There's no equal or rival that can stand before the presence of our holy God. And you need to know today that battle that's going on in your mind, God has given you the power oh, to bring every thought and imagination under subjection. Hadn't he done it? Isn't that what he said in his word? That's what he said. And that's what we need to believe. Our ushers are coming. They're going to assist us today in our exit. I want to do something. I want to do something. We know, we know that based on social distancing guidelines and what have you, that, that our services have been a little bit different. But here's one thing I can do the devil won't like. I can see the hand of every person that raises in this room today that says to me, Pastor, there's a battle going on in my mind. Would you pray for me? Let me see the hands. Come on, all over the Look at there. Is that not evidence? Is that not evidence that God was speaking to our hearts today as the body of believers? I want you to know that I've taken a Polaroid of you in my mind. And I will be calling your name out before God through the course of this week. Saints of God, will you help me? Will you, saints of God, help me pray for these individuals? We're going to move forward. Come on, shout it with me, moving forward. Come on, shout it with me. Moving forward. Moving forward. Paul told that same group of believers in Philippians. He said, we're moving forward. Forgetting those things which are behind us. What we're pressing forward. Oh, yeah. To the mark of the prize of the high calling in God. Through Christ Jesus. So I've, I, I've taken a Polaroid of you in my mind today. and We're going to be praying for you. So many things have caused lots of inconveniences, but we're still a, I mean, just look at this group, guys. Look at this group. Brother Arbus, look at, look, at, look at this group. Does that look like a bunch of people to you that are terrified to be in the house of God? No, that looks to me like a hungry bunch of folk who want to be in the presence of God. That's what it appears to me. It appears to me that somebody has got their mind right and that when they can't stand, they're going to lean on Jesus. When they can't run, when they can't walk, when they can't fly, they, amen, they're just going to lean on the Lord. Can I get one amen, somebody? I'm looking at a group of people that have been up through hard times, but by the grace and the love and the mercy of God, we are still here. Still here. You remember I told you to remember this? We're going to talk about it later. Anybody remember what it was? I said at the beginning of the service. I said, how do we get our mind right? Anybody remember what I said? Y'all just got so consumed, didn't you? There might have been a $20 bill in it for you, but you just forfeited that. No, I'm kidding. I'm only kidding. But I said earlier, there's one remedy that helps us get our mind right. Brother Alfred, you know what it is? Shifting our focus. Shifting our focus. Stop looking on the possibility of the bad things that can happen. 
but get excited about the good ones that can. Can y'all give the Lord a big praise right now? Can you? See, I don't even know what that means. I mean, I don't even know what, I don't even know, Pastor, what, 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 what shifting my focus means. It means that I redirect my attention. I concentrate my focus on something else. And I want to encourage you today as the body of Christ to be intentional when you pray. I want to encourage you to pay attention to your every thought that comes to mind. Amen. Will you do that for me? I love you in the love of God. I'm going to be remembering your respective and individual needs as you have raised your hand in the presence of the Lord today. These ushers are positioned. My wife is coming. Thank you so much for your participation and presence this morning in this great service of the Lord here at Harvest Church. We love you and God bless you.